From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. You know, uh, there are a couple of things that I think are first principles that we should always, uh, you know, we should always live by. That's what we've believed at NSE. For us, governance is primary, is fundamental, and it is our raison d'etre. Not just for us, but it's also very important we realize that when we go out and internationally compete for business, the corporate governance framework of this country is what really holds us in good stead vis-a-vis many other markets. Here, the changes of the last 3-4 years has done us incredible good. There may be other metrics on which you know we can do better etc. But if you look at the metrics on shareholder protection, India has really jumped up and today we are in the top 10 countries in the world. So this is really the strong platform on which Indian markets, NSE can you know be there for the long run. Leaked emails from an ongoing investigation by the Securities and Exchange Board of India into the affairs of the NSC, the country's largest stock exchange, have created shockwaves in the heart of the Indian capital market. The emails reveal how Chitra Ramakrishna, unlike the confident CEO espousing the virtues of good corporate governance whom you just heard, was a putty actually in the hands of some unknown yogi who advised her on minute decisions pertaining to the running of the National Stock Exchange, about whom to hire, whom to reward, and even on how to dress up her hair. Here's a sample of some of her mails to the unknown yogi. Seek your guidance on the path forward on this, Swami. Could we think of SBI as domestic nominee, LIC and Abhay as two shareholder directors on the foreign shareholder category? We have Saif who is a troublemaker and Goldman who is a useful category and Temisic who has hitherto played a neutral role. If Goldman is brought in, he may be very useful. However, G usually says making the troublemaker as a monitor is the best way to shut them up. So I'm unclear whether it should be Saif. I seek thy guidance on the committee name, Swami. Company is running only because of thy guidance and my G's blessing, Swami. Chitra Ramakrishna, who was part of the team that set up the NEC, resigned from a position in 2016, a good year and a half before her term ended. It was a quiet closure to a brilliant career. The recently leaked emails reveal that the all-powerful MD and CEO was actually in thrall of not just the anonymous Himalayan yogi, but also her colleague Anand Subramanian, whom she had installed in the upper echelons of the NSC and favoured him with raise after raise. Shugata Ghosh, who writes on banking, finance and money at the Economic Times, speaks to me and unravels the schemes of this very bizarre story. Shugata, the National Stock Exchange is the world's largest derivative exchange. It has a market cap of $3.4 trillion. That its CEO was dependent on some Himalayan Baba whom she had barely met for professional advice is staggering and beggars belief. Could you lay out for our listeners the origins of this whole bizarre story and what its fallout has been so far? 
even SEBI, if it is aware of how how this story unfolded, uh, has not told the entire truth. Maybe it is holding back a lot of things. But uh, what is very clear is that the top management, the CEO of NSE, uh, the National Stock Exchange, had entirely outsourced the decision making to some mysterious spiritual guy, a spiritual guide. Hmm. And that went on for years. And uh, this person, whoever he or she was, uh, was advising on uh, strategy, business plan, lobbying with the government, and even uh, appraisal and uh, designation and roles of key senior personnel. So this is something which is unbelievable. And uh, why persons... Managers who are so capable, who are so experienced, who know the system, had to indulge in this kind of a thing is still unclear. So the story started roughly from 2013, when this uh, gentleman, Anand Subramaniam, uh, was uh, hired by NSC. Now, Anand Subramaniam uh, was an unknown face in the financial markets. Nobody has heard about him. Uh, he doesn't have much of professional qualifications. Uh, he was working in an entirely unrelated industry. He was uh, brought in and hired at 10 times, more than 10 times the salary, was given an office which was adjacent to Chitra Ramakrishna, who was uh, the second most important person in uh, uh, NSC. And... Uh, Soon we found out that there were multiple division heads who were reporting to Anand. And Anand had huge access and uh, had, uh, had the last word on many things. And uh, Chitra was basically enthralled. So even people within NSE were at wit's end that what really was happening. Given the power and the cloud that Chitra and Ravi Rabinarayan, that is Chitra's boss and who was the chairman and the CEO before Chitra, the two wielded. Uh, I don't think anybody, any of the senior managers or the HR or the regulatory heads, they really didn't kind of uh, raise their voice or oppose this uh, strange decision. Just yesterday in the podcast, we did an episode on Ashneel Grover and what's happening in Bharat Bay. And one of the guests, R. Gopalakrishnan, formerly director at Tata Sons, he spoke about the rise of the what he calls the psychopath CEO, someone whose decision-making ability is impaired by unchecked power. In the case of Chitra Ramakrishnan, it would seem to be a case of both unbridled power, but also a very strange vulnerability that this Baba was allegedly advising her on her you know, on her hairdo, on her whom to hire, on decision-making. In your piece today in the TOI, you describe her as brilliant and elegant. When you read the story of the males, um, were you surprised? Well, I was fairly aware of, uh, about Anand and uh, the kind of influence that uh, Anand had over Chitra. But the males were a revelation. I was taken aback. Because Chitra always came across as a very bright, composed person, always on top, articulate. And while she always had her way, I mean, people who have worked with her say, say that she was 
she can be a very encouraging, a very generous boss. Hmm. Uh, she had interest in sports. She had, she had interest in Carnatic music. She could speak on uh, different subjects. Uh, so she came across as a very friendly person. So I was taken aback that a person so capable, and he was a rank holder, and the person so capable, so brilliant, had hmm. virtually outsourced the decision making to some this mysterious uh, spiritual guide. And who was taking very, very micro decisions. I mean, uh, that who should be designated as what. And there was this uh, salacious piece of conversations happening between the two. I mean, uh, let's chill out at uh, Seychelles, at a beach in Seychelles. Or, I mean, as you said, her hairdo and all that. I'm sure there are a lot of other males which Sebi has held back. Uh, they could be more explicit. But uh, uh, the thing is that that doesn't help. I mean, that's just a, a fodder for the press. But uh, otherwise, the entire story comes across as very, very bizarre, and you are tempted to disbelieve this mm. entire thing. You, 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 you tend to believe that there is this deliberate fog which is being created to mask something more serious or uh, to kind of uh, justify, even if lamely, certain inappropriate decisions. Uh, so, so it doesn't really add up. You're saying that these males, that they could be red herrings? I wouldn't be surprised. For instance, there have been speculation in the social media that uh, this, uh, this Baba, uh, this yogi is some uh, former politician, some politician, some one-time influential person, another thing. But I don't know. I, I, uh, I have my doubts because nobody really uh, uh, clever would leave a trail of email uh, to someone as personal or as, as senior as uh, Chitra mm. and indulge in those kind of conversation. Because these days, you know, anything can be tracked. Anything can be, uh, your IP address can be traced, your, uh, everything can be hacked. And, and the entire thing is not a momentary lapse of discretion. It happened for years. So, uh, so I would say that uh, uh, this, this could well be a red herring or or it could be that the that Anand Subramaniam himself is the yogi, that Anand created this uh, persona, this mm -hmm. imaginary persona. Mm. Uh, there was some buzz that uh, Anand's relative, a close relative, was once the spiritual guide of uh, Chitra. I don't know the veracity of this story, but even if that person, uh, I don't think is involved, it could well be that uh, which Ernst and Young forensic audit says that. It's Anand himself who was doing this. So maybe uh, Anand had cast a kind of spell. It sounds very silly and uh, laughable. That's my point. Does it add up with the kind of the very public Chitra who was the kind of the boss lady at NSE? It doesn't. So, so it could well be that, uh, that they were deliberately uh, leaving an email trail uh, so that if later some decisions, uh, somebody question, mm -hmm. you can always say, look, I had some guru and corporates do take advice from gurus and godmen. That's not uh, unusual in India. And um, and what's the big deal? I, I just uh, consulted on key positions and roles and some business plans. It is not that I have shared any price sensitive information, not because anybody, any investor uh, was hurt because of my decisions of this information. NSE, after all, is a uh, closely held and unlisted company. 
So even if I share the financials of NSE, uh, nobody could take uh, advantage and make money on it. So what's the big deal? If I were to ask you, Shugata, the same question, what is the big deal? How would you respond? Well, the big deal is that there has been a data breach from the CEO's office. Yes. Now, how people used or misused that data, we don't know. Uh, it's no secret that NSE had a lot of rivals. Chitra, Ravi had a lot of enemies, right? How they use that data, how they misuse that data, we don't know. That's number one. Number two is that if somebody, an outsider, has access to the CEO, to information from the CEO, we don't know what what else, what other information may have been shared. Hmm. Some may have been shared verbally. Some may have been shared through a different email address. I mean, this, this particular email address could have been a diversion. There could be some other... Uh, personal email address where information may have been shared. We don't yes. know. Now, if you see the uh, this uh, mysterious uh, person, this yogi, was also advising Chitra on some other people. There is a name which says Lala. He's Suprabhat Lala. Now, he is the key person in the co-location. That's the other big drama which is happening in uh, NSE. It's a far mm. more serious thing. Co-location is a a facility where brokers are allowed to place their servers next to the NSE's data center or inside the NSE's data center. Hmm. Now, what it basically does is that these members who can do this, they could access access the price feed, that is the prices uh, which NSE is providing, that is uh, somebody is buying this share at this price, this particular information, faster than other brokers. Now, if they can do it quicker than other brokers, now when you say quick, it is fraction of a second advantage. But that can make all the difference in the market because if you can trade on that price before other brokers can uh, execute the trade, you stand to gain. Now, there was this huge allegations uh, that uh, some brokers had gamed the system. Uh, there were certain NSE officials and there were allegations that uh, this person, Lala, was very much involved, uh, that they would uh, access the less crowded servers and execute their trades faster than other traders. Mm-hmm. So, so even though co-location per se, uh, it can be debated whether this is the right thing to do, but that per se is not illegal. But once you have a co-location facility, when your NSE officials, insiders, help you in locating a less crowded server and route your trade through that, you have a price advantage, you have a time advantage, and you gain. So it's a fraction of a second. It could be difference of uh, a rupee or maybe less than a rupee. But when you are trading in hundreds of crores, it can mean a big thing. And when you're doing it over a period of time, uh, the gains could be staggering. This, so this is Lala a, is mentioned in these ex- email correct. exchanges between yes, uh, Chitra yes, and Once or twice, and... twice, I think. Other set of notices, the Chitra and Ravinara, and they have emerged as the protagonists of this entire drama. But there are other people like Narasimhan, this Ravichandran. Now, they were senior officials, right? They were regulatory heads, there were other important responsibilities. Now, when they were investigating the school location allegations, they went through a lot of mails. And in the course of that investigation, 
this information came out. So, uh, so this information is so is so different and it's so serious that you mm -hmm. can't just really uh, ignore it. No regulator can afford to. It goes well beyond like personal foibles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are two basic allegations. For instance, you hired Anand, who everybody agrees was not the best candidate. I mean, what was he really bringing to the table? And why did he uh, get that money, that salary he was getting? And once he was brought in, he was not made the key management person. He was not in the list of the key management person to avoid the procedural formalities and disclosures and other things, right? So the NSC went, uh, uh, Chitra, Ravi, everybody took care that uh, this guy was hired. He was given a huge salary, got the role of a KMP, but was not made a KMP, right? That was one. And secondly, is this bizarre trail of uh, mails and communication with this mysterious yogi. So uh, this is something which a regulator may be at which sent to decide how to go about. Because how do you live this spiritual veil? How do you go and find out who this is? Mm. And what is the kind of, uh, even though it's a huge governance lapse, it's a data breach, it's a, uh, uh, all kinds of code of ethics have been breached, but what exactly is the law? It's, it, but it's not an insider trading, right? Yes. It's not money laundering. It's not uh, uh, trading some national secret, at least based on what has come out. Now, if that is the case, then what are the laws under which you uh, book these people? Secondly, uh, the board, as we could make out, that even though uh, the new board uh, which came in, which uh, people like Mr. Dinesh Kanabar, uh, Mohandas Pai, and others, uh, they they ensured that uh, the Chitra leaves, uh, Anand quits. And Ravi also had to go uh, after that. But they did. They just quietly accepted Chitra's resignation. Precisely. Because, yeah. What I gather is that maybe they had taken a view that, that, that let bygones be bygones. This was a kind of nepotism. This was a uh, lack of governance. But we have got rid of those people. Why just uh, rake up dirt, the past dirt? And uh, nobody really lost uh, any money. This is not an insider trading. This is not some price-sensitive information. So why make a hue and cry when the people, the guys, the criminals have already mm. left? I don't think the government will be sitting quiet on this because uh, the government would want two things. One is that none of this monkey business is still happening in uh, NSE, right? They would want a cleanup. If necessary, they would hire some new guy to find out that, new agency to find out that whether the systems and processes are in place. And secondly, uh, they would like to ensure that the present management, the present board mm. uh, is doing the work properly, that there have not been irregular hiring, that there has not been uh, anything, because they just can't afford another uh, yogi kind of an incident to happen in an institution as vital as NSE. Staying with Chitra Ramakrishna, uh, Shugato, what was her journey like at the NSE? I mean, she was mentored by R.H. Patil, who founded the National Stock Exchange of India. Uh, but difference seems to have cropped up between them as well. And then, of course, her boss, Ravina Ryan, whom you mentioned uh, earlier. 
what was the nsc boom time like how did they operate can you give us a sense of that as a duo how did they operate well they were uh, an extremely powerful duo in the capital market they were very close to the uh, administration the dden administration they were regularly meetings the key bureaucrats uh, who kind of uh, gave them a lot of latitude and people say that on many occasions uh, sebi the regulator uh, was uh, was consulting nse so so it was a very very influential kind of a organization and uh, the rivals they said they always complained that nse kind of crushed them nse influenced policy making at the government at at say and to ensure that uh, that uh, they don't make much headway the brokers complained about the high hand high handedness of uh, the nsc top of, top officials because they, it was a virtual monopoly which actually gives rise to the question that given their proximity and their influence in the government with top bureaucrats in the finance ministry and their virtual writ in the market how is it that no one flagged the steep raises given to anand subramanian or presumably this email exchange between the mysterious baba and the happenings i mean it was all happening on office computer how is it that these things all went unchecked well it went unchecked because of the absence of uh, do's and don'ts within nse who would question chitra who would question ravinarayan if chitra was doing certain things and even if ravinarayan doesn't approve it and ravinarayan beyond the point will not take on chitra because chitra has been there for a long time he, she she knows a lot of things so they would not like to antagonize each other even though the buzz is that towards the end they fell out and a lot of information was shared by ravi but this is all stories you get to hear but uh, how would the board how would the uh, board know about it yes the board had serious lapses it would have it should have questioned the public interest uh, directors the government nominees the other directors they should have questioned that who is this gentleman i mean why is he uh, why so many uh, divisional chiefs are reporting to him exactly why is he being asked why is being asked to set up this subsidiary in the gift city he hardly has any exposure to financial markets why are you giving him so but nobody raised any questions now you had very good people you had people like lis former lic chairman mr mathur uh, there was one point mr uh, uh, sri krishna was there so my thing is that nobody raised uh, these questions right so it so happens in india that as long as a company is doing well there are no large npas there is no uh, insider trading scandal there is no uh, uh, other kinds of fiasco and the company is making money hand over fist and everybody is dazzled by the rise of sensex i mean it just goes on i mean who cares it's kind of fortuitous that the scandal came about even as sebi was looking at at a completely different case but are there many cases regarding the nsc that the sebi is looking into collocation uh, probe is the biggest thing that has been happening uh sebi is also investigating the uh, the outage the technical snag which nsc had so these are the two main things which sebi is looking into but uh, sebi as a regulator has to tread carefully because it can't uh destabilize an institution like nsc 
because you have to uh, fix the ills without uh, damaging the institution. So that is mm. the challenge which a regulator faces, and that to a public-facing institution which corners the which has the largest volumes, one of the largest stock exchanges in the world. So uh, it has to tread carefully. What lessons do you think have been learned since this debacle at the NSE, and and does it change anything about how we regulate stock markets? Well, one thing is very clear is that uh, if a monopoly like NSE emerges, first of all, given a choice, you should never have a monopoly in a market. And if a monopoly like this emerges, then it should be under a very very serious scrutiny. And uh, we should also have governance laws and bridge certain uh, gaps in our statute to punish this kind of crimes. Because today we may not have a law to decide that what kind of, under what law uh, you can punish this kind of crimes. And secondly, uh, uh, whistleblowers should be taken very seriously because in the recent past, whatever, uh, big revelations we are coming across are largely triggered by whistleblowers and uh, not by uh, journalists. So that is one thing uh, very important. Our whistleblowers' laws should be strengthened. They should be given enough protection. Thing and 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 role of independent directors. We keep on uh, discussing it ad nauseum that the role of independent directors, the public interest di directors. I mean, they just can't in meetings and. Uh, approve and endorse every decision the people who have hired them take. So that is that is uh, something that is an area which is crying for reforms. Today's episode is produced by Arun George and Sunai Marathi. For daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.